0: everybody welcome back to another episode of the Fearcast. this is the podcast dedicated to ocd anxiety anxiety spectrum disorders and getting your life back i'm your host kevin foss and i'm a licensed therapist specializing in ocd and anxiety and anxiety disorders so thank you all for joining me for the podcast so while this is a typically a question and answer based podcast where you can go over to fearcastpodcast.com and you can send me questions about uh, uh, treatment and erp and what what Act is and how to support someone with OCD and how to, uh, what's the difference between OCD and generalized anxiety disorders? Um, any questions that you might have, uh, I, I would love to hear them and and answer them um, uh, in, or just to talk about them because inevitably, if you are struggling with this, someone else is somewhere else in the world. So for today's episode, uh, this is going to be another installment in the arts in the, or anxiety in the arts series that I've been doing. So this is the last that I have had uh, pre-recorded from um the first batch um, and uh, I, I'm so appreciative of the people who have been willing to share their stories and to be on uh, the show to talk about their experience with anxiety how it has impacted their their uh, ability to do art how, in, how it has uh, affected or informed their art in and of itself um, and uh, and that's really what I wanted to do is to put out people's stories that people can be anxious and put out great art and still be artists and pursue their, their passion. Passions uh, in dreams throughout, um, throughout, and despite anxiety. So, um, so while this is the last in the series that I have thus far, if you are someone in the arts community doing anything from visual arts to music to sound design to dance to theater to you know what, what to any type of art out there. Um, I would love to hear from you if you're willing to share your story about how anxiety has impacted you and how you have maybe used anxiety uh, or use your art to help with your anxiety or how your your art has made you anxious I don't know it can be it can be anything but uh, I'd love to hear your story and to share that uh, if you'd be willing to share your story for another round of um, uh, of these episode uh, or episodes go over to fearcastpodcast.com and send me a message over there you can also find me over at Instagram. I am uh, Fearcast Podcast over there, and you can send me a message, and uh, I'd be more than happy to try to arrange something and hear your story. So, for today's episode, uh, this is a rather long episode. I apologize for that, um, but uh, I interviewed Noelle Dumont, so she—I'll tell you a little bit about her in a moment. So this was uh, recorded in two parts. I'll have a, a little uh, section in the middle that will just kind of segue between the two. We just kind of ran out of time, um, but uh, but I really liked this conversation uh, for 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 uh, oddly for a number of reasons. One, um, this was the first episode that I actually recorded for this series, and um, it, it it was it was great to be able to hear from Noelle to learn about her story, how anxiety is impacting her. Um, it, it was also throughout this episode, me trying to figure out what my role was as the interviewer for this series. I know that sounds odd that uh, I, I wouldn't have that just all together from the start. But there can be this element of, you know, putting together a series and, and getting into it and, and this series kind of figuring itself out. So, you know, it was kind of my, my own anxiety, I suppose, was trying to figure out what role do I have in this as, as the interviewer? Am I just putting out a story? Or am I, am I intervening? Um, it, where I'm hearing someone's Anxiety, and I, you know, I kind of tiptoe back and forth between that. It, it was, um, it was a unique experience for me to try to figure out what my role was throughout this. But um, I, I, I really appreciate Noelle for uh, for being candid and and uh, open about her struggles with anxiety. Um, and, and what I love about the the, the the series is that you know I didn't really want to just have people on who are you know who have gone through the the depths of it and are have emerged on the other end a beautiful butterfly. And, and everything's great is that you know some people are still struggling some people are still kind of in the middle of it and having success but still having uh, uh, some some uh, obstacles in the way um, Noelle Noel was kind of talking about that where she's had a lot of success and she's kind of gone through some some difficult times and and is is working on re-emerging and, and still has some anxiety rearing its ugly head so I, I think that those stories are also uh, certainly valid but also important to validate uh, someone's experience, perhaps your experience, if you're listening to this, so uh so uh just as i get into this I'll, I'll i'll say a little bit about Noelle. so she is a a, a multi-talented uh, a singer uh, uh located in los angeles and is is uh, has uh, has been featured on a huge range of different types of um, genres in uh, uh as a singer as a choral member but uh she is uh, she's kind of pushing herself forward as a, a solo artist and um, you can check her out out uh, i'm going to put a couple of links up about her on the episode page over at fearcastpodcast.com and you can check a little bit about or, or look up uh, and learn a little bit about noelle yourself so without further ado here's my interview with noelle dumont all right noelle thank you so much for joining me for the podcast today uh we look forward to hearing a little bit more about you and um your story with uh, with anxiety and how it's been affecting your your art career, your singing career, yeah. I should say.
1: Thanks for having me. It's great to see you.
0: Of course, of course. Well, uh, well, I've I've known I've known Noel for a, a very long time, mostly in high school, and then onward towards just a a Facebook friendship, as most uh, friends tend to go. Um, and I've seen your career kind of move around and doing things and having albums. But I'd love to find out just if you could start with just telling telling the myself and the listeners just a little bit about uh, about you, what you how your career has started, um, and what. What, what, where that has I guess where, where it started and where it's where, where it's going
1: well uh, sure um, my I started being interested in singing in middle school when I was able to join the choir and I um, <clears throat> I quickly grew very quickly I quickly grew very quickly um, once I started learning how to sing and I started doing a lot of things as a kid uh, I I don't know if you remember, I recorded an album when I was in high school. Yes, I do. Uh, And um, yeah, so I was doing a lot of things, but I was hoping to have a singing career by the time I graduated high school because I had a distorted idea that if I didn't become a professional singer as a kid when I was under 18, then I wouldn't have any chance or, you know, success as an adult because every other singer in the world is an adult and I'm special because I'm a kid um but lo and behold I graduated high school and didn't have a singing career and so I felt like I had missed my chance Mm. and I even though I went to Biola University for a vocal voice performance degree um I still felt like I'd missed my chance and given up um on you know what I could have had a singing career um I didn't end up completing that degree because of um anxiety and depression um school was always difficult for me even though i got great grades um but when i started i decided to ungive up on my singing when i moved to london um i had previously moved to france with uh, my ex and we got a business degree there uh and then we moved to london so he could go to london business school and I started feeling really antsy and like internally, I was starting to like feel like I would explode because I felt like I needed a musical outlet and I didn't have any and I hadn't been doing any singing for years. And like I had to do something or my body would like no doubt on me or something. It was very strange. I was like, have to have to sing? I don't know, I feel like I'm going crazy. And so I, um, I found a church to join that would let me sing in their worship bands. And that was nice. But I wanted more. I needed more. Um, And then randomly a uh, classmate of my ex um, who knew I liked to sing was like, hey, um, how would you like to sing in the Royal Albert Hall? And I was like, excuse me? (laughs) She said, yeah, my mom's connected with a choir who's looking to like beef up their numbers for a performance Mm -hmm. at the Royal Albert Hall. And I was like, that sounds awesome yes and so i did it with her and turns out this concert that they're beefing up their choir numbers for was uh featuring andrea bocelli sure yeah sure as you know as
0: is whatever
1: um, <laughs> cool so my first like for for foray, whatever yeah work, that works for my first venture back into music was a uh, performance with andrea bocelli in the royal Albert hall i was like wow (laughs) this is pretty great um yeah i like this choir so i didn't have to audition for them because they were just looking to beef up numbers but after we did this performance i was like i think i want to audition for them be part of this choir Mm -hmm. um so i did and i got in and they're the official uh choir of the royal albert hall and so I sang in Royal Albert Hall probably 20 times wow. over the next like few years, which was really, really cool. And wow. it was a classical choir mm-hmm. and it wasn't paid or anything, but it was it was still an outlet that I needed. Um, and from there, um, one of the performances that I did with them was um, a big outdoor performance in Hyde Park. Um, it was called Proms in the Park. They do it every year at the end of a series of performances that they do through the summer of classical concerts. And it was in front of 40,000 people, which was insane and amazing Um, and loved it. But one of the um, groups that was also singing in that show was the London Community Gospel Choir. Mm -hmm. And I've always had a love for gospel music. When I was in eighth grade, I started my own gospel choir at my middle school. Um, And uh, my teacher let us perform in the concerts and stuff. (laughs) And it was really fun. And I just like...
0: That's amazing. My heart
1: comes alive with the soul of gospel music. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, I've got to get gospel in my life again. I was like trying to chat them up backstage or whatever. And um, <clears throat> so I got inspired to try to get involved in the gospel choir okay. uh, when I was in London. And I got involved with um, UGCY, which is uh, University Gospel Choir of the Year. And they, they put together a big competition for university gospel choirs in the UK mm-hmm. every year, but they also have a house choir. And I was interested in getting involved in that. Um, they were going to do uh, a record breaking attempt at a mall um, that I signed up for. And um, they had asked in the you know participant Facebook group, if anyone would be available to join them for a, TV news appearance to promote this record breaking attempt and I was available to do it. So I did it. It was really fun. All of a sudden I'm on like British news singing. Oh, happy day (laughs) with this gospel choir. And after we did that, we did the record breaking attempt. Didn't break the record that time, but I got a message soon after saying, Hey, since you did the um, news appearance, would you be interested in joining us as the backing choir on the X-Factor UK live shows. And I was like, excuse me? (laughs) Yes. Yes, very much. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Um, And so all of a sudden now I'm in this gospel choir on live TV on the X-Factor UK, you know, doing gospel bounce behind contestants on like the literal X-Factor show. That's like millions of people watch and um, I'm like all of a sudden living this dream and I wasn't auditioning for any of this. I was just like trying to get involved, you know, in groups and stuff and doors were opening for me and it was so much fun. Ah, oh my gosh. And I was like, yes, 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 yes. I love performing, this is great. And there was one moment a a year or two into the X Factor thing, that I was on stage Mm -hmm. during the live show doing my gospel bounce with the choir in the back and I thought to myself, I could have sung the song better than the contestant. Mm. And I was like, oh, wait, if I'm in the backing choir thinking I can sing better than the contestant on the show, I need, probably need to do something about this. Mm. Um, and so I found a vocal coach uh, through the gospel choir um, who really like has made one of the biggest impacts on my life. Um she not only is an amazing singer, but she's an amazing coach and cheerleader. And she started pushing me to do open mics. And, um, she helped me find my sounds and my, my niche as a singer, Mm -hmm. which was always a big thing for me. I always loved to sing, but I never knew what to sing or, you know, what genre or what songs. And that was always a, a tripping point for me. Um, and, um, but she helped me discover that I really, like jazz and soul really suit me.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And that was so important in my journey because I can't, you know, I mean, I can sing lots of genres well, but like what really lights my heart on fire is this certain thing. And discovering that was huge for me. Um, So I started doing open mics in London and randomly the bar manager approaches me at this um, place that I do open mic at regularly. And he says, hey, we're thinking of starting a uh, Sunday jazz afternoon event here at the bar. And I think your voice would be perfect for it. If you can find live accompaniment, we will pay you uh, to sing for three hours. Uh, But, you know, you can't use a backing track. It needs to be live. But if you can find live someone to accompany you live, like, we'll we'll pay you to sing. And so I'm like excuse me, I'll be right back while I find someone to accompany me real quick. (laughs) And I found a pianist and we had a couple uh, rehearsals and all of a sudden I'm my first paid gig. Wow. And it was in my genre. It was jazz. It was soul. It was, you know, um, and that's what I, I always knew that like I always wanted to be a professional singer. Like, you know, getting paid for one gig is like, I can call myself a professional now, right? And I didn't hustle for it; like I was just like trying to, um, you know, fulfill my my musical needs, really. And Mm. these doors were opening for me, which was amazing. Now, the problem with my situation is that with my ex, we didn't stay put for very long Mm. in any place. So, right as things are starting to kick off in London I you know started these jazz gigs and start getting paid I um signed up with a um an artist management company who helped me record a couple songs and do some performances which was really really awesome we moved to Dublin because um, he got a job uh at Facebook in Dublin and so all of a sudden things are ramping up and then I have to go right Okay, cool. So I have to start over again. Oh. So, okay, now we're in Dublin. I got to get my, sing- you know, now that I've the experience of, you know, doing my own jazz gigs, like hopefully I can make something happen. I can say I've done it, you know? Um,
0: right. Have, and, a little, uh, have a little bit of that I grounding just, or that, 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 exactly. like have a little bit of that resume behind you to kind of g- yeah. give you that, that legitimacy in a sense. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, and I did some, uh, my main thing was that like, I struggled a lot with, and I still struggle with like making my own things happen. Um, so most of what I've done, I've done a lot of really cool stuff that I loved, but it was someone else's choir, someone else's group, you know, um, I mean, I guess me doing the open mics was me doing something, but I had, you know, a great cheerleader behind me to push me to do it. You know, someone else approached me about my first paid gig, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't me going like, okay, I'm gonna make this happen. This is what I'm gonna do. And I'm gonna, you know, the hustle is very scary for me. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I'm really fortunate that most of the stuff that I've been able to do, you know, has come in a way that, you know, is easier for me to take on, I guess, you know, because <laughs> once if it's someone else's project, I'm really confident in coming alongside and like making, you know, being awesome and being a part of it or whatever. But as soon as like I'm making the thing, I, I start worrying about like, oh, am I doing the right things? Like, you know, all this stuff and like my my worry and, and like overthinking of everything just leaves me exhausted and frustrated and I avoid the whole thing. Uh, you know, altogether. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I end up in situations where, I like, okay, you know, I could try and push really hard to like make things happen, or I could hope something else falls in my lap, you know, like it has. But that feels like it's cheating. But then, it, you know, anyway. I'm kind of going off track um, a little bit. Sorry about that. <laughs> no,
0: it's okay. But yeah, I, I, I certainly I could imagine that uh, you know th- things th- thus far in your story, it's like things have just kind of f- clicked into place. Have kind of for the most part, right? They've kind of fallen yeah. into place. But but once the w- once the, the the hustle starts to show up, or the the need to advocate for yourself and put put your own projects together or audition, in a sense, the mm-hmm. that's kind of where it gets a little bit more difficult and a little bit more. It, was, it, was it a sense of anxiety? Was it a sense of kind of motivation to do it? A sense of kind of per- perfection of what the project was going to look like? What did, it, what did it seem like was the obstacle or what were the obstacles?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've, I've always struggled with perfectionism. Um, I, I'm sensitive to being corrected. <laughs> and, you know, if I do something wrong and someone's like, oh, it really should have been done this way, then I'm really hard on myself. Um, or like if I put a lot of effort into something and it turns out like I should have done it another way, I'm really hard on myself. Um, and Mm. I'm oh man, I shouldn't have done, you know, whatever. And knowing how much, how easy it is for me to beat myself up, I get scared of putting myself in situations where that risk is there. Mm. Um, so, um, you know, like I'll audition for something. Um, but when it comes to like, you know, one thing I've always wanted to do. I mean, I had the CD in high school that I did, but it wasn't my, you know, heart's genre. And it, you know, you can really hear, it's just a girl singing songs. It's not, I'm not singing from my heart. Um, And I really want to do, I've always wanted to do an album of my own music. Mm -hmm. um, That's really me and really, you know, is a genre and style that suits me. But that means original music okay well sitting down writing music oh my god like if it's not great then it's terrible <laughs> and you know oh the stress of like making good music is just like just thinking about it is just like stressing me out just thinking about it you know okay well then like maybe I should find someone to collaborate with oh that means like going out and like finding the right person but what if I connect with someone and it's not the right person and it's not doesn't turn out the way i like then i'm going to be hard on myself and be like oh that was so much wasted time and i have to find someone else and i'm going to be tired from this effort now mm. and you know it's it, like i i build this whole thing up as as everything's a big deal you know right. capital b capital d <laughs> <laughs> and um i just get tired thinking about it and i i have a lot of trouble getting started on stuff like that. Um, But yeah, when it comes to like auditioning for something else, you know, whatever, like I'll audition for the choir. I'll just for the, normally I impress myself with my own audition. Like Mm -hmm. I get really excited about it. Um, But that's someone else's project that I can jump in on, you know, and I don't have the responsibility. If it goes bad, I'm not going to be hard on myself because they're the ones that, did the things that weren't right if that makes sense you know
0: yeah it takes the pressure
1: off with me um so i've been in lots of you know with the choirs and stuff um and uh when i was in dublin i did some music videos for um there was a guy i um he had an ad on star now and he was looking for a singer to sing a couple songs that he wrote uh they're pop ballad duets and also do music videos for them. And I was like, okay, I'm looking to get involved in music. I'll, you know, do like pop ballad sounds fun or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so I did it. It was fun. And then he did a few more songs and music videos with me, uh, which is cool. And I've got music videos with thousands of views on YouTube, but they're, you know, not my genre. Also, they were someone else's project that I jumped in on. Right. Um, and, um, I was also able to um, get a band started in Dublin, but it was me applying for an ad looking for a jazz singer. I was like, hey, I'm a jazz singer. I did this stuff in London. And then it ends up being like a booking agent. And he like pulled together band members for me. I got a keyboardist and a double bassist and a drummer. And he named us the Noel Dumont Quartet and got us a weekly um jazz gig for brunch at an italian restaurant that i did for like a year and a half with them paid it was awesome but it was someone else put the band together for me someone else got me the gig you know right um although through that uh i got approached by another place saying hey do you want to gig at our place and so things were coming from that but i didn't hustle for that i just applied to the ad you know Mm -hmm. um so that was another cool thing that i did that like i I didn't do the hustle for it, really. I would just like, "It's like, hey, me." And then, like, things happened, you know?
0: Right, right. It's like, um, gosh, what, what, what I, one of the things I'm hearing in this is, is like, yeah, you know, when, 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 when you do apply for, when you, you do apply, when you put yourself out there, things do work pretty well. But like with the idea of of it, uh, putting together a project really for yourself, the things that you you really want to do or things that feel really special to you. That's when that anxiety starts to kick up and that perfection starts to um it starts to limit you. You said kind of what what, what I call the magic words within anxiety is what if, right? Mm-hmm. You, oh, yeah. you, you're like, oh man, okay, well I could I could go out there and I could set up a, you know, collaborate with this person. <gasps> but what if, you know, it's not great or the songs aren't perfect or the collaboration is just a waste of time, right? Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. In, how 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 else did you see or how have you seen kind of your your own anxieties I- impacting uh the the, the the driver impacting your career?
1: Well, I mean there's that. Sure. <laughs> and there's also like I've been Um, you know, procrastinating on trying to get things moving now that I'm back here in L.A. Like, I would love to start gigging again. I really miss it. You know, I'm doing the karaoke thing right now, which is like kind of the best I can do. Um, But, you know, I keep going, you know, I really should like try to find, you know, musicians, uh, you know, to accompany me and then like start seeing if I, you know, can get in on, you know, Uh, you know, see if there's a restaurant I can sing in the corner of or something. Uh, But, okay, well, LA is really big and it's bigger than, you know, like it's not like kind of compacted like other places that I've lived. And so I'd have to make sure that the musician kind of lives close enough to me so that like we can rehearse easily enough. Okay. And then I have to make sure that they're, you know, really good. So I should like have auditions and stuff because I've had musicians in the past that were good, but like not really – at the level that i would really love okay and so okay so because la is big you're like okay this makes it a little more complicated to find someone and then like oh the scene in la like there isn't just live music everywhere and so how would i like i would have to like you know really hustle to like you know try to get in on good side of like someone in a in a restaurant or something or like you know try to network more to like see if i can get in but like the scene is harder and it's going to be harder and oh man, I'm tired now. (laughs) And so I'm making everything, you know, every step is heavy.
0: Right. And every
1: step feels very heavy and it's not just like, oh, I want to do this. Let's do this. It's like, oh man, step one is like, oh, Oh, step two is going to be like, ah, step three is going to be like, ah, you know? And so I haven't, you know, I've been back technically since July, August, and I haven't really taken steps Mm -hmm. and I'm sitting here really, really aching to sing. And, you know, it's not a a matter of, I don't want it bad enough, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, and that's hard too, you know, when people are like, well, if you wanted it bad enough, you would make it happen. Mm -hmm. Well, um, (laughs) you know, anxiety has a way of, you know, like not caring how much you want things.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And uh, that's rough. And then that, you know, it's hard to, um, you know, kind of sit with that. Like, oh, if I did, want, maybe I don't want it bad enough. But I do. I want it so bad.
0: Yeah, you can kind of question yourself that, you know, the, when, when anxiety gets in the way, uh, or, mm-hmm. or, or gives us, you know, kind of feeds us those lines that it's not going to work, it's going to be terrible, it's going to be, you know, excessively hard. You just mm-hmm. go, ah, I don't want to face those things. But then, you know, in a backwards way, anxiety pops in, as you said, like maybe you questioning yourself. Maybe you don't want it enough, right?
1: Yeah. So, but I know that's not true. I know mm-hmm. I want, like... My best moments in my life are moments on stage. I know how much I it in my life. And I like, you know, I'm doing the karaoke thing and it's not the same. It's not the same at all. Right. I mean, it's better than nothing. But I uh, I really miss dressing up and having my own set list and having my, you know, my musicians with me and getting that paycheck and feeling like, you know, I can bring something to the table that people want and I love to do it you know
2: mm-hmm.
1: and um i know i can do it i've done it in multiple countries <laughs> multiple times in multiple situations and multiple places and you know doing it all over again right. is um,
0: feels like an obstacle how it's not still. with, with all, I mean, it sounds like, you know, you, you've, you've got all this evidence you've kind of lined up. I'm curious how, how have family and friends uh, s- supported you throughout kind of your, your, your career? Uh, how have they, how have they helped? And, you know, are, are there some ways in which they've, they've been uh, unhelpful, especially when your anxiety starts kicking in?
1: Well, when I started, I mean, when I got my first gig in London, uh, My family and friends were all still here in L.A. Uh Um, You know, I was just with my my ex, my husband at the time, um, and he was encouraging. But, um, you know, I didn't really have a circle around me, you know, like I would post on Facebook, people would be like, so proud of you. That's so great. Go on. You know, like I had cheerleaders online and stuff, but Mm -hmm. I didn't have people to go to my gigs. Mm. I didn't have people to, you know, um, be my in-person cheerleaders. Um, The best performance that I did um, and is still my most favorite life moment was the showcase performance I did in London through the artist management company that I joined. And, um it was at bush hall and they had like put out a red carpet and everything it was like this huge event and um it was me and like three other artists who were in this management company and then uh the headliner who was my vocal coach who's amazing but um everyone else there the other um you know artists who were singing they had all their aunties and grandmas and cousins and friends and family there in the audience and I had my husband and his laser tag friend in the audience for me. I had two people in the audience and everyone else had at least 10 people, right. um, at least. And the, the the audience was filled with everyone else's friends and family. Um, and that was... You know, like I love to sing, and that's that's what the situation was. I lived across the world from my friends and family, and you know, I was inviting my my work colleagues and stuff. I was working at a tech company at the time. I was inviting them, but like, I'm oh, busy. Sorry, you know, they don't care enough.
0: Yeah, they're not gonna
1: come. You know? <laughs> they don't care. Right. So I had my husband and his laser tag friends in the audience, which I was so happy about, Mm -hmm. you know, but also it did feel tough to know everyone else got to have their grandmas and aunties and cousins there, you know, um, but by the end of it, I will say it was my favorite life moment because I got a standing ovation from all of their grandmas and aunties. And <laughs> I just. <continued. laughs>
0: He'll take it. it was
1: so great. That's it amazing. was the best. Like they were all my family and friends after afterwards. Um, but, you know, the, all doing all the things I did, my gigs and things like that, like my ex would come sometimes. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't come to my choir performances, but um, he would, you know, often come to my jazz gigs. Mm-hmm. And I might have a friend or two who would come, you know, sometimes, but it was, you know, my family was always supportive, but they weren't there. They physically couldn't be there, you know.
0: Yeah, that makes it incredibly difficult. Did it, did getting the support or how, how was getting the support online uh, 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 kind of, I'll ask it this way. Did, did having the support online kind of boost you up um, or, or was there an element that it didn't feel uh as um m- motivator it didn't feel as effective for you um both okay
1: so you know it's easy online to be like oh i would be there if i could you know would mm-hmm. they actually i don't know i mean i know my mom would uh, mm-hmm. when you know when she was still there. she would put she would comment on everything be like i would be there if i could and i knew she would but like other people um it's really easy to say they would. But would they actually, you know, is a question that I would ask. Um, and I was still thankful for them to say it, whether it was true or not. But, um, you know, no, know, knowing that there's a difference between saying you would and then actually doing it if you could, um, you know, was something that I, you know, battled a little bit. But um, I think also, I mean, there was a period of time that I was trying to audition for those, you know, for the, the big shows, you know, I auditioned for X Factor, I auditioned for The Voice, I auditioned for another one, Open Mic UK, and I was posting about it. And mm-hmm. um, after um, after those, like, I had so many comments, little like, you can do it, you are gonna be so great. You know, like, there was an outpouring of support online that, um, you know, with well wishes and stuff like that, that I was really surprised at how many people were commenting and encouraging me and mm-hmm. that, that was really helpful for me um, in terms of like, Hey, a lot of people do really believe in me. Um, That's amazing. Mm. Um, And that, that did help boost me up. I did, I did quickly realize that, you know, (laughs) for anxiety reasons, those like big show auditions are not for me. It's just so stressful and just like knowing that like everyone else is, you know, trying for it and it's, it's big, deal show or whatever and like waiting hours for your audition and it's just like ah, i hate like oh my body just like flips out it's just like yeah it's cool but it's this isn't fun for me <laughs> audition for a choir and like I respond to an ad online for a jazz singer but I, i'm not gonna line up for x factor anymore this is too much it's too stressful like my my body just is so uneasy and you know
0: were were there some things that you tried to do to help with some of those nerves to like was there any advice that you got from some of your friends or coaches to help deal with those nerves waiting for the auditions
1: um i mean yeah i mean your typical like you know all you can do is your best and you know and um you know share your gift with them don't don't put the pressure on yourself to like be better than anyone else all you're doing is sharing your gift and if it's if your gift is right for them then it'll be and if it's not then it won't be you mm-hmm. know but at the end of the day you're waiting around for an audition with like a whole bunch of other people and they all want the same thing you do and it's it's just stress you know that this is too stressful it's too much the um
0: did those what ifs start creeping in
1: those yeah those what ifs and also just like feeling the tension in the in the atmosphere with everyone else being nervous around you too and like oh man it's uh yeah I don't like the way my body feels in auditions like that mm-hmm. it's just I just I just don't like it I don't want to put my body through that anymore right. but I did a few of them I got through the second round for open mic UK and then I was so nervous for the second rounds like I uh, I didn't perform well. And I uh, I was just realizing that I'm not having fun. Mm-hmm. And that's the real thing. Like, I'm doing this because it's fun, and it fulfills me. And if something I'm doing is not fun, and is not fulfilling me, I don't want to do that. That's, that's, you know, kind of not what I'm going for here.
0: <laughs> right. Is that, did that did that lead towards a, a, a shift in how you wanted to be focusing your energy and focusing your career?
1: I think so. I mean, I, uh, you know, for the time that I was auditioning for those things, it was like, you know, oh, it makes sense to like audition for these things because, you know, exposure and, uh, you know, experience and practice and, you know, this kind of thing. But the thing with these things, it's like it's kind of audition after audition, after audition, after audition, after audition for the same thing, you know, like you audition for X factor to get through the next round and the audition again, get through the next round. And then you'll just for the next round. And it's just like constant, you know, it's not like auditioning to get into a group or to like do a specific project and then you're good. It's like, it doesn't end. It's like, it's constant and it doesn't stop. And so, you know, once you get through the next round, you're going to have to do it again soon. Like to, to, you know, continue to, uh, what was the question? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well I suppose again, I can I, I I can ask a different question I mean kind of with with the with the the, the 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 lifelong of anxiety and just kind of that that feeling that you get and, and all those what ifs that that come and impact you have have you tried to do anything or or have you tried to do any therapy or any other things to help with uh, to help with that anxiety
1: um yes so um I mean when it comes to those like auditions I just decided like that's that's not for me. Um, I still occasionally get stage fright, um, but mostly when it's my first time singing somewhere. But I also know that once I'm singing, I'm feeling good. Um, and so I always keep that in mind, is that like if I'm nervous getting up there, like I know that I'm going to feel good up there um, once I like get comfortable and stuff. And like knowing that helps me, you know, get through that. And I don't I don't let stage fright stop me. Um, just because I know how good it feels once I'm, once I'm in my elements. Um, you you,
0: you kind of know your pattern with it, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I know I can bring it. I, I know, I know that I can deliver. I know that I can delight an audience.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That's not a question. You know, it's just the new environments
0: normally is like, What seems is fri- I'm always nervous with the new environment. What seems frightening about the new environment?
1: It's just not knowing what to expect. What, what are the people going to be like? Um, you know, what's the sound going to be like, what's the the reception going to be? Um, I just not knowing exactly what to expect Mm -hmm. uh, as always just in life in general, like trying new things can be very difficult for me because like, you know, unless I've got an instruction manual or whatever to like prepare and like, okay, this is exactly what to expect. So I can go in confidently, like there's so many what ifs and like, and what's going to happen and so many unknowns, like the unknowns scare me, really. Okay. But when I when I know what to expect, then I'm then I'm OK
0: right okay yeah those what ifs can can be um, can be a huge obstacle for people just you know and and inevitably our, our brain is gonna fill in the worst case scenario for yeah. you know for not knowing what's gonna happen how, how, mm-hmm. have, how have you tried to combat those that that um, that worst case scenario or, or or those what ifs?
1: Well, it depends on what it is okay you know I, I try to remind myself of um, you know, how things went down last time, uh-huh. last time it was fine. Sometimes last time it wasn't fine. And so I'll just completely avoid the thing because I'm like, well, I learned from last time that it was terrible, so let's not do it at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, I've got a lot of avoidance because mm-hmm. I get scared. And I'm like, well, I don't know what to expect. This is too much for me. I... I uh, um. The risk of something going wrong and me being hard on myself and like having to fight that then is too strong. And I'd rather avoid it, um, which is really frustrating for me, honestly. Um, I have a great therapist right now mm-hmm. um, who we're actually, I had a session last night and we're going to start to try to tackle um, like a lot of that, basically, like my avoidance on things because of my fear. Um, Because I'm limiting myself. I know I've got so much more to offer and bring and do in the world. Mm -hmm. And I'm literally stopping myself because of that. And it makes me, it upsets me. Yeah. I'm I'm not, I'm definitely not living anywhere near my full potential. Mm. And that makes me mad. (laughs) But also I don't want to go into stuff and end up, you know, crushing myself because I, you know something went wrong or you know because i'm so hard on myself when things don't go well and uh you know i just i get so scared at like like well a life not you know beating myself up yeah even if i don't experience all the great things at least is more peaceful <laughs> like there's no life to live though right so anyway we're gonna start start trying to work on it because it's 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 an internal war and it's It's not a fun one to fight and I, I shouldn't need to fight it. I,
0: I don't want to fight it anymore. Right. It sounds like that, the, uh, that, that inner critique is strong for you.
1: It's very, very strong. It's very strong. So like trying to learn coping mechanisms when things don't go right. And like, you know, I think, um, you know, learning some better self-love and self-compassion, um, is something I've been trying to work on a lot and is kind of a really long journey, you know? Right.
0: Um, Th- thus far for you, how has self-compassion come out or what does self-compassion look like for you?
1: Good question. Um, just trying to go easy on myself. Mm. Um, Trying to remind myself that I'm human. Mm-hmm. And that expecting perfection is unrealistic um, for anyone. I would not expect perfection from anyone else. Why do I expect perfection from myself? Right. Like, why am I so special? <laughs> to be so perfect. Hmm. Um. Okay, I'm special, but I'm not that special. Um. And um. Yeah, I think just. Trying to give myself grace, um, which is hard. Yeah. It's really hard. I, I'm not very good at it. I, I am. Um, I can offer grace abundantly to anyone else, like to a fault. I, I end up, you know, not. Um, you know, I probably shouldn't offer grace as much as I do to people, but then I offer zero grace to myself, which like thinking about that and realizing that's what I'm doing I think was the first step would like wow that's really not fair I wouldn't do that to anyone else Right Like that's really ridiculous right How ridiculous is that like why why do I put myself through this
0: That's a great question
1: Yeah why do I put myself through this? It's it, not fair. It wouldn't be fair to anyone to like expect half of what I expect of myself, honestly.
0: Right. And it can it, it can feel hard to give that to ourselves and to grant ourselves that that permission to be human, that permission to not be perfect. Though we do that for other people, it seems like there's that double standard that anxiety gives us where everybody okay. everybody else is deserving whereas I need I am I'm I'm uh, uh, undeserving. Uh, and mm. and I need I need to work for it, whereas other people um, they they can just have it.
1: Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. This is yeah. Trying to remind myself, I'm human. I like expecting perfection is unrealistic. Um, but it's easier, you know, it's easier to say than to internalize. Internalizing is a whole other thing. <laughs>
0: exactly. <laughs> I might jump into the conversation right now in in editing it, so who who knows in in terms of the the, the transition. But no, I've been thinking a lot about what we were talking about last week. I know today we're going to kind of focus more on kind of how ADHD as as well has impacted your your art or your your music career. Um, but but yeah, I was thinking about how like your your it seems like you get overwhelmed with and maybe I'll finish this sentence first. It seems like you get overwhelmed with this like. The, 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 those what ifs about, you know, what, what's going to happen if I get to the audition? What's going to happen if I put this band together? What's going to happen if these, you know, what are these people going to think about me? And kind of, it, it, it can feel overwhelming and kind of to the point about like noping out. Sometimes people will nope out because it's, it's tough to go through each and every scenario. To figure each and every one of them out, to give yourself enough reassurance that everything is going to be okay, we just go. That's too much work. F that noise. I'm out.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And we just and we just don't do it, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. How how are you at reading the future? What's your what's your like stats on like, you know, crystal ball reading the future?
1: <laughs> it depends. Um, uh, over the years, I have figured out like the ways in which my brain and body tend to react to certain things Uh and I can kind of guarantee that they, you know, like things will, like mm, yeah, like if I get overwhelmed, I'm gonna shut down
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Uh, if I uh, am in a situation where I have to uh, like advocate for myself like a lot Mm -hmm. uh, I'm gonna start getting anxious and um you know not freak out but like you know it's gonna be difficult for me Mm -hmm. um if i'm approaching a project that is complex i'm gonna have problems um just like um making that project happen like one step at a time like even if i plan it all out like oh there's so many steps just like no uh And I can't just, like, look at one step and, like, forget the rest. Like, it's, like, I see too much of the big picture, and the big picture overwhelms me, uh, sort of thing. I think that's, like, one of my big problems is that, yeah, I like to create the big picture, and then I let the big picture, like, uh, scare me,
2: Mm.
1: I guess. So even if the big picture isn't actually scary, if it's complex, if it's going to take a long time, if it's going to be difficult... Mm -hmm. Um, if it's going to be something I haven't done before, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there are odds that I'm going to have troubles. <laughs> okay,
0: okay. Well, ha- has there been anything you've tried to to help with that, or to to work on it, or to? No, I'll 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 leave it broad, and then I'll ask specific questions. But ha- have you found anything that has helped?
1: Well. Um, understanding the way my brain works has helped a lot, mm-hmm. you know, before I'm like, oh, I have these issues. Why do I have these issues? I shouldn't have these issues. I should just like try to push through them or accept that they're my issues and avoid them. Mm-hmm. And then I get like anxious that like, you know, I'm not, you know, that these are things I have to deal with where it seems like other normal people don't have to deal with them the same way um that in itself has been helpful like just like a self-acceptance sort of thing Mm -hmm. um a lot of them has to do with my um like ADHD diagnosis and like understanding oh this isn't a character flaw that I just need to like get over or Mm -hmm. figure out like this is actually something you you know in my brain that's like making me do this and understanding that I can have grace with myself and figure out alternative solutions sort of thing Um, Mm -hmm. so that's really helped a lot um There's one um, situation that um, I think is a good example of uh, just sort of going back to like, what have I tried? Um, When I lived in Austin, my ex and I, um, well, I wanted to do a, um, like a promotional video uh, of me singing and my band so that I could try to get wedding gigs. And uh, my ex is really great at like project planning and like, you know, sort of making things happen and like all that stuff. So he's like, I'll be the project manager, you know, like I'll help you figure this out and I'll like make sure, you know, like I'll I'll manage it for you. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, great, awesome. So he like put together this like spreadsheet of like, what are the steps to make this video happen? Ding, 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 ding. And like, how do we go about doing it? What things have to happen before these things, before Mm -hmm. we can do this thing? What can we do at the same time? And it was very beautifully planned out and he was like brilliant at managing all of it and um we did end up doing the video mm-hmm. and it's cool and awesome but oh man even having like a dedicated project manager who like planned it all out made sure everything happened mm-hmm. you know was there on the day to make sure everyone was in line and mm-hmm. everything you know was taken care of. Like the anxiety <laughs> was outrageous. Uh, just like, I, it was so, you know, cause it was pretty complex and there were a lot of moving pieces mm-hmm. and other people involved. And even though someone else was dealing with it, like it was something I was involved in that. I was just like watching the complexity happen and I'm part of it. And it, I was I had a tough time through that whole thing, and I really wanted to just, like, I don't want to do this anymore, this is too much, even though someone else was doing it for me.
0: What was, yeah, what was hard about that for you? I mean, as you said, you, you had you had your ex, you had this other person, you had people there who were taking the roles and, and taking, the, taking the reins away from you, but there was uh-huh. something about that that even, even that was overwhelming
1: yeah you know i haven't figured out exactly why mm-hmm. it was still stressful for me um i think because i didn't want it to go wrong you know this was at the end of the day like my project something that i wanted to do for you know hope to hopefully help my career mm-hmm. and i was putting a lot of pressure on myself to make sure that all the parts were perfect even though someone else was managing them Yeah. Uh, And yeah, the what ifs got in there. Like, oh, what if someone doesn't show up on time? Oh, What if the videographer we hired is no good? Oh, like, what if, like, I, you know, don't get my hair right on the day, and I, you know, like, all these things that, like, you know, and it all went beautifully, and, like, it was great, and uh, yeah, I mean, we ended up moving away from Austin a few months after that, so I never got any wedding cakes out of it, but I got a cool video. Can we link to that video? What was that?
0: Can I link to that video? Uh, yeah, I can send it to you. Yeah. Wait, is it currently up on the interwebs, or are you just going to email it to me? Uh, it is currently on
1: YouTube.
0: Ooh, I'll link it to the YouTubes. Err. Uh, yeah. Anyhow, um, awesome, because I think that people are going to want to see what you sound like. Oh, well. There's that. Maybe you'll get gigs wherever you are. But, I mean, <laughs> I mean even with that, you're talking about like, with all this stuff going on, it sounds like, as I kind of mentioned, you 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 let your brain get in the way, which I get it, right? Our brain is there to try to figure out where all the pitfalls are in life, how our life is going to get screwed up and ruined. And the brain goes like, don't do that. Don't step in that landmine. Watch out for that monster. And sometimes we just buy into it going like, "Oh, that, like, oh, my brain seems to think there's a monster here. There must be a monster here. So we freak <laughs> out like there's a monster here right mm-hmm. whereas what you just told me was you have all those what-ifs and all the things that were freaking out and yet what happened was nothing it turned yeah. out great did it turn out perfect or did it turn out just really good
1: it turned out really good
0: yeah could yeah. it have been better
1: uh always but there aren't any specific things that would yeah. be like oh i wish this would have happened or i wish that would have happened." i wish i would have been less anxious But at the end of the day, too, if I would have done it all, if I do it all over again, it's going to be the same thing for me. Right. It's going to the what ifs are going to come back. It's not going to be like, oh, well, I learned last time this was fine. It was like, it's still a complex project and there are still a million moving pieces and there are still, you know. Right. uh,
0: And all those other parts can be broken down. Sorry, what's that?
1: Oh, and (laughs) uh, so many things that that could go wrong. Yeah. all
0: up you know i, I hear you i mean it, things like that are certainly overwhelming and and they are stressful but it's mm-hmm. you know it's part part of that is like going like now that you, you've gone through that experience you and you also know like when there's a ton of things going on that's like a big trigger for you
2: yeah
0: but in the future that that ought not to be a surprise like you know you know it's coming you got all these steps you can just go my brain's gonna freak out about this I was te- Actually, I don't know how I was telling you. Um, so I was, well, I was telling you, I'm going to do a talk this weekend at, at uh, a conference. I've done mm-hmm. talks. We've just ran through it. I've prepped for this one I've given before. Mm-hmm. I know I'm going to get anxious, even though this is what I do. And I'm talking on a subject that I know about. And, you know, and my brain is always going to go, oh my God, what if I say something wrong and it screws up and or misspeak and someone misunderstands me and they're going to go, Kevin's an idiot. He's the worst. Um, and, but like, I, I also know that that's going to be there. And even though all those are there, I know it's it's going to work i haven't said i've hurt people's feelings i've said things confusing i have said stuff where people go what are you talking about but i've also learned through that process i can i can kind of roll through that Mm -hmm. you had that experience you had the anxiety and the product was very good Mm -hmm. what are the chances the next product is going to be as god-awful as your anxiety seems to think it's going to be
1: chances are low that it'll suck it, it's chances are high that it'll be great again because I'm capable and I deliver
0: do you ever you tell know? yourself that yeah do you buy it
1: believing it's another thing but yeah <laughs> I tell myself the right things and then my brain's like yeah yeah yeah
0: yeah our, our brain's constantly trying to undermine us
1: mm-hmm.
0: right it's a, it's a big jerk is what it is big fatcher. that <laughs> I here, uh, I haven't shown you this, my my favorite one of my favorite books.
1: Oh, awesome.
0: So, it's a for those of you who are not seeing what we're seeing, it's a book called F Feelings. I'm not going to say what the real word is, but it's by mm-hmm. Bennett and Bennett. You can look it up. It's a it's a big book on acceptance and commitment therapy, uh just with mm-hmm. a with a lot of profanity in it. So, so tell me a little bit about um, so tell me a little bit about ADHD. How is it affecting you? How do you see it in your life? What, how does it rear its ugly head? And, um, what, what can you, what can one do about this?
1: So I was diagnosed just like less than three years ago, um, as an adult. And because I figured it out on my own, brought it to my therapist. It took like three weeks of sessions before she's like, actually you could be dealing with this. And then I went to, uh, somewhere to get um uh what's it called um you know to have an evaluation Mm -hmm. and they were like yeah you definitely have ADHD and I like was able to um you know start getting treatment for it and Mm -hmm. um like the thing it really was crazy because ADHD is like just the way your brain's wired and Mm -hmm. so like I had lived, let's see, when was I diagnosed? It was three years ago, so, and I'm 35 now. I was 32. So Mm I've lived 32 years with this brain that I just didn't know why my brain worked the way it did in certain things. And it's really hard to, it was, I can only speak for myself, it was really hard for me to accept things that I felt should be another way, Mm. you know? Like, oh, why can't I deal with this? I should have be able to do that. Why can't I do that and stress out about that and like try to figure it out, but not knowing that like, Oh, actually my brain's wired this way and no one ever told you. Right. <laughs> Surprise. And that was us. I, I was saying before, like there are so many, I went through a really bad identity crisis because mm. there are so many things that I had always felt were character flaws.
2: Mm. about. Yeah. That
1: I felt like I needed to fix certain things. There are, you know, like negative traits I don't like about myself that are holding me back in life and I need to like you know get through them figure them out or whatever not knowing that like oh actually it's not you know that my brain is wired differently and it's not my fault and you know that was like figuring out what about me is a symptom (laughs) and what about me is a character trait was like really trippy um and it took a while and i'm still figuring it out honestly but like just understanding that um like the way i handle things or approach things is not you know entirely my choice it's mm-hmm. like m- just my brain's wiring has it, like helped me so much in like um self-acceptance and like being graceful with my being graceful uh having grace with myself um i'm not beating myself up as much anymore because i understand like oh (laughs) this is something that i've been dealt with and like you know what um now that i understand it i can figure out creative solutions that actually work for my brain and not try to fight it and like do do things the way that people say i should do them because their brains are (laughs) wired their own ways you know Um, so like big things for me, uh, with it. Oh, and to clarify also, uh, I was diagnosed primarily inattentive ADHD, which, uh, previously was ADD. Um, so I don't have hyperactivity like physically. I'm very like fatiguing person, (laughs) but my brain's always going. And I hadn't realized that. Mm -hmm. Like I got wild puppies in my brain that I can't wrangle. Uh, you know, that's, and, and you know, and it's exhausting and I'm always tired and it's really the drag. Um but um yeah um so like big things for me that I realized you know were part of this were um I always had difficulty with learning Mm -hmm. and I always got great grades in school but I always it was always a struggle and it was always a fight and I uh really did not like school ever um just because it was like like inputting information is so difficult for me and I would always do it and I would get A's I would always get A's and one B in math but I was fighting every single day and, like mm-hmm. trying really hard and like I was constantly exhausted mm. uh, it's like classroom setting learning is just not what my brain likes at all um and I didn't know that and I would just be like why right. is it so difficult for me why am I stressing out so much people are just like my classmates are able to do this you know they're like oh yeah I'll just do that and I'm like you just do that <laughs> like this like, is like taking everything out of me uh, like
0: how right it's almost um, it, it'd be interesting to know what it would have been like had you received that diagnosis in high school
1: yeah Yeah, I would have been able to understand, like, hey, my brain does not do best in a uh, quiet classroom at a lecture. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: My brain's going to shut down a little bit. Um, Yeah, I mean, I do much better learn, like, when I started working, like, learning on the job.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: I do great with that. Like, show me exactly what I need to do go through it with me like let me see how it works and like watch me do it and then say like yes that's good you know sort of like i do great with that Mm -hmm. Um, but like dude sitting at a lecture is just torture for me (laughs) i was constantly drawing in my notes just Mm -hmm. to like keep myself like try to keep myself attentive
2: um, right
1: which it's very clear now, in its of ADHD is very hard to like keep my focus on certain things for long periods of time. Boom, it's very clear now. But then I'm just like beating myself up a lot. But, like, you know, and I, I would get a lot of anxiety from these symptoms because like I didn't understand why things were so difficult for me, mm. you know?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I get really anxious about it and like, how do I fix this? And then not know how to fix it. I'm like, ah, you know? Um, So learning was a big one for me. Um, uh, Also, as I've already spoken about, like difficulty with complex projects, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like keeping all the tasks in order and like following through with all the things um, is just a lot for me. General executive dysfunction (laughs) is also a very big thing for me um, because I'm tired all the time. um, And, uh, you know, Whatever, by just like getting started on things is very difficult
0: for me. Right. Just making making decisions.
1: Yeah, yeah, decision making too. Right. Um, And also just like getting up and doing the thing.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Getting up and doing the thing is just like ah, (laughs) just do the thing. And like what I mentioned, like last time we talked, you know, it's not a matter of not wanting to do it enough. Like, I'll be sitting there going, like, I need to do a thing. I really want to do a thing. Like, my desire is there and, like, my interest is there. And, like, you know, but, like, taking uh, that first step is just, like, I, like, physically can't
2: mm-hmm.
1: a lot of times, um, which is crazy. But, yeah, like, having all these things, like, you know, I would get really anxious. Like, why can't I just get up and do the thing? Right. Why can't I, you know, and I would get really anxious about stuff like that. Right. Um, and that's, you know, that plays part in like my music stuff. Get, getting myself to practice singing mm-hmm. <laughs> It's awful. I can't, <laughs> I just, just, I, you know, the amount of time I have not practiced is mm-hmm. just embarrassing. Mm hmm. It's like getting myself to practice and it's not that i don't i want to practice i want to get better i want to be amazing amazing not just a little bit amazing i want to be a, the best a, right. and you know i want to practice and get get to that level and just doing it is uh.
0: what does it take to get you there to get you to practice
1: you know what um a uh, few things. Uh, treatment has helped a lot. I go to treatment for ADHD is stimulants, and okay. um, that has made a ginormous difference for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just it kind of like calms the crazy puppies in my head, mm-hmm. so I can do what I want to do.
2: Right. Right.
1: And it also is like, oh, I'm able to get up and do the thing. It's not like I, I don't I don't feel energy from it. Like I don't feel like oh I've got energy. Ah! It's just like it's like a calm uh ability i guess mm-hmm. if that makes sense mm-hmm. um that i feel is like normal and standard for most people <laughs>
0: when you yeah. w- when you started taking medication uh-huh. what sort of a change did you notice how did it how did you find it impacting just your your thoughts your interactions your your work
1: you know I didn't think it was working at first. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't feel any different. Like I was expecting myself to be like, Oh, I can do everything. And, you know, but, um, in like working with my therapist, like I was like, I don't think it's, it's working that well. And she goes, try it with a task, take your meds and then start a task and then see if it makes any difference for you. And like, you know, being able to sustain the task or, you know, whatever just just try it out like that and Mm -hmm. i did and i think i was like filing mail or something i decided Mm -hmm. to do and it was really interesting because i you know i sat down i'm like okay i got this pile of mail i need to go through whatever and there was a moment like five minutes in that i'm like i need a break i need a snack or something i need it whatever and then i was like i actually don't i don't need a snack i don't need a break i can keep doing this and i was like
0: uh That's what she was talking about.
1: Interest. I see. Okay. So before I could do it for five minutes and then I would either get distracted with something else, decide that I was hungry or needed a break. Like I can only sustain the focus for like a short period of time before my puppies are interested in something else. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, but I got through all that mail and I'm like, this is very interesting. Hmm. Um, okay. So it didn't necessarily, at least then, it didn't necessarily help me get started on the thing
0: mm-hmm.
1: but it helped me continue the thing and okay. knowing i could continue the thing helped me start things easier after that you if could that makes
0: sense. totally you saw that mm-hmm. you saw that starting something wasn't an inevitable failure or quitting or you know going to be incomplete you went i i can do this and when you start completing stuff it feels pretty stinking good and you saw that you can't you can finish it so you can start. Yeah. That's awesome. So that
1: was really cool. Interesting. I like, ooh, this is... I like this. I like this very much. Um, and also, my therapist was telling me that, you know, I, sh- I shouldn't necessarily feel, you know, like I have more energy or whatever. Like, it should just be like a grounding, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like feel grounded and like able to take care of what I need to take care of. Mm-hmm. And she said that. I, I was really noticing that. That is how I, I felt. And I really... It really calms a lot of my anxiety. Mm-hmm. Honestly, these stimulants because, like, it you know it like made the puppies behave in my brain. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah, what do I have to do? I can do it. You know, it's not like ah, like the puppies are just very. Like,
0: yeah, how did that? How did that affect your confidence? Your self confidence.
1: Ah. Uh with treatment or before treatment.
0: <laughs> with with treatment
1: with treatment a lot more confident i gained a lot of confidence because all of a sudden i'm like this is something i know how to manage now right this isn't something i feel out of control with right you know and like feeling like i had like more autonomy over my brain and my body was very empowering
0: yeah
1: uh it was really crazy yeah um and the terrible thing is i quickly realized that um uh my medication uh broke me out it gave me acne mm. and i was like well that's not ideal because i I'd, i had struggled with acne most of my life mm-hmm. uh, i figured out coffee broke me out which was heartbreaking and then i finally got in the handle on my skin and now i'm getting treated for adhd and this is breaking me out i'm like i thought this was behind us uh but For a while, I was like, you know what? My brain is more important than my skin. And Mm -hmm. so I just took my meds. Mm. But my skin got bad enough that it was affecting my brain then. I'm like, well, this isn't going well. (laughs) This is not going the way I want it to. Um, So I'm actually, I've played around with different kinds of medication. And I'm currently on one that seems to be easier on my skin. So it's only the, like, I've only been on it a couple months, um, but so far so good. I don't have the same, um, uh, brain effects as other ones, um, that I, I prefer the other ones for the brain effects, Mm -hmm. but if I can still be helped and I don't have to deal with the acne, I would much rather have
0: that. Right. um,
1: it's, it's been a journey to figure out, you know, the kind of medication that's Best for me, and also like the dosage and when to take it, and um, stuff like that.
0: So, um, and, and I think that's a, a really important point that uh, that s- some people on the front end of treatment or of medication don't don't understand or don't appreciate is that. Mm-hmm. It's not like you go to the doctor and they give you the ADHD medicine or they give you the anxiety medication is that there there are uh, there are a number of them there are generics there are name brand and there are you know people two people who are very similar will have very different reactions to them and that just because you have some side effects doesn't mean it negates the effect effect and it's that you can try one. It has side effects. Well, tell your doctor, don't just stop. You can find something that's going to work. And I also love what you said. You said, my brain was more important than my skin. It's not that your skin was unimportant. It's, it was just you, you said, I'm choosing to make this more important to me, knowing your yeah. patterns of things. And I think that's really important to, to remember that um, all, all of those points, if, if someone is kind of on the fence with starting medication.
1: And I think one thing that I figured out and has been a game changer for me is viewing my relationship with my, you know, doctors and therapists also as like a partner with me in figuring out how to better myself rather than like, Oh, fix me. And then it doesn't work. And then being mad about it sort of thing. Right. I, I've like allowed myself to be like, Hey, I really like the way this is working except for this elements, is there anything we can do about that? Mm-hmm. I mean, like either tweak the dose or try a different, you know, kinds or whatever. And I would go back every single time and be like, Hey, actually, I think this is great, but I think it could be even better. Does it make sense to increase the dose? Like, like I would, I felt like I was partnering with them, like how to get my brain at like it's best. Mm-hmm. And, um, Which I didn't realize I could do before. Yeah. Uh, But, but yeah, I mean, they're there to help you, and there are lots of options and combinations of stuff. Like, I've ended up on a couple different things that work well together. Uh Uh-huh. Because I'm like, oh, I'm still dealing with this thing. Does this make sense to try to address? Is there anything we can do about this? Or, like, this side effect isn't ideal. What can can, Is there anything we can do about that Um, sort of thing? And it's it takes a lot of patience because you just want it to be right and you know you have to try it for like at least a month at a time to like see if it's actually helping but at the end of the day it's so worth it you know I mean mm-hmm. I'm still figuring out my my right dosages and stuff and I got diagnosed like almost three years ago so um but I'm in a way better place than I was then just because I'm like not giving up on trying to get that like you know what i feel i should be getting out of my treatment
0: right right and 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 to 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 sit in a different way you have to advocate for yourself you have to speak up and and i i can't tell you how much as a therapist i i I wish i could read people's minds and just kind of know what it is that you're thinking and feeling so i could just uh, get on it but Mm -hmm. it's like if you're not telling your, your your therapist or your psychiatrist or doctor, whoever's on your treatment team, what's going on, they don't know. If you go yeah. in and say, how's everything going? And you go, good. Like, mm-hmm. okay, okay, I guess. Yeah. We don't know. So I, I, I love that you're were, you were, you were willing to share that with them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that was the thing also when I was starting to read up about inattentive ADHD and really identifying with what I was reading, Mm -hmm. I brought it to my therapist, I I had taken a screenshot of something, and I was like, what do you think of this? Does this sound like me? And she read it, and she was like, yeah, could be. Uh, We can explore that a bit if you want. And I'm like, because I really feel like this is potentially an issue for me. Uh, And it would explain a lot of the things I've struggled with in my life. And she goes, But, you know, I have to say um, it's possible that you're dealing with intensive ADHD, but I don't know if it's that or you're just really, really anxious. Um, But let's explore it a bit. Mm -hmm. And um, we talked about it and she really, you know, she really, I could tell she was like, I really just think you're an anxious person. I don't think you're really dealing with this. But I like kind of knew in my heart I had more than anxiety. Um, And like all the things that I was reading about, like inattentive ADHD, I was like this, 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 this is making sense for me, it's making sense for me. And even though she was like, I don't know, I don't know, like I really push and advocate for myself to be like, let's keep talking about this because I really think there's more here. And there was like one moment uh, that I told her, like, it's really hard for me to get motivated to, you know, do the thing whatever the thing is and sometimes like i will like i stock diet coke in my fridge to like give me a little boost like not for energy but just to like actually get up and do the thing and she goes actually you know now that you say that that makes me think that maybe you are dealing with an attentive adhd and like that was a thing after like three weeks of like Uh exploring Uh um and then after that you know she's like would you be open to you know getting evaluated and seeking treatment and I was like yes definitely and then like after getting evaluated it was like oh yeah you're definitely and I was like thank goodness you know because I had always been the kind of person to just like trust my authority figures and just like oh if you say it is you know better than me Mm -hmm. so okay but like I knew there was more Mm -hmm. and just like getting to that you know point I'm so happy I kept I kept exploring that with my therapist even though she was like "Eh." Because I I yeah, I knew, I knew, and um, and lo and behold. There you are. Lo and behold. there we are now. It's
0: funny, that, to a certain degree, that's how a uh, so, former supervisor of mine uh, suggested that I get evaluated for ADD, is because of the uh, amount of coffee that I drink. Yeah. I'll do about four of these. Really? So. i
1: your ADD too
0: yes i then got i subsequently saw a psychiatrist Uh, i haven't been on medication i took it for i took it for a little while then just went that's i i I didn't notice a difference and at the time to pay for the name brand medication i couldn't swing it so i just went well i guess this is who i am back to the coffee Co- yep, yep, coffee's yep. carrying me through, and you know, I, I'm. It, it would be interesting to see what it would be like to take medication. Um, mm-hmm. But what my psychiatrist had also had said at the time was, you know, you've 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 gone that you've gone this far. You've gotten through grad school without it, and you know, m- maybe you can give it a go without. I was like, that's mm-hmm. fine, whatever. But I also know that for some people, it can be the game changer. It can be the missing puzzle piece. So. Yeah you know, I'm, I'm always going to be an advocate for it. Just at the very least as a, as a science experiment to see what's going to make it work.
1: Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's zero harm in trying something for yourself, just for your own knowledge.
0: Short of heroin, Mm -hmm. except for heroin. And
1: that's like something that I've like learned for myself. Like, (laughs) Oh, maybe this isn't right for me, but knowing for sure it's not right for me is valuable. Right. You know, right. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's cool. Hey,
0: hey, high five! Wee- Woo! <laughs> so I, I mean, um, you know, in the in, in the time that we have left, I'm also curious about you know how are how are you taking steps to get back to or con- to continue to pursue your your music?
1: Well, a uh, few things. Um, actually it's been interesting since, since we talked last, um, I've been, uh, you know, thinking about, um, you know, ways in which I can <laughs> do more, um, and really, um, oh, ADD brain has, uh, taken my train of thoughts. Uh, what was I talking about? Talking about
0: ways you can get back to music.
1: Yes, getting back to music. Um, so thinking about how, you know, I was talking about last time how, like, I struggle with, you know, the hustle, you know. Um, I don't do well with that. I'm scared about it. But I've, I've always felt like, oh, I kind of have to do a hustle thing if I want to, you know. But thinking about maybe the hustle isn't right for my brain. Maybe just going and meeting the right people, just, you know, being in spaces where I want to be and meeting the right people, um, maybe that's, that's a start for me. Uh, that works better for my brain, is calmer for my brain, is better for my personality, you mm-hmm. know, because um, I made a friend recently um, who introduced me to a bar manager that he knows Mm-hmm. And just in that, like, five-minute conversation, uh, he was like, oh, yeah, my friend, Noelle, she's a singer. And the guy was like, oh, we're thinking of of adding music to our our bar. You know, what what's your Instagram? And all of a sudden, in five minutes, I've met someone who, like, maybe I don't have to hustle. Maybe I, you know, can just put myself in spaces where I meet the right people. Um, and that takes the pressure off of me and the anxiety around that. And also, it honors the way that my brain works. Better, you know, um, and so like allowing myself to think outside of the boxes I make for myself. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah. So, now, when you thought, oh, man, to get to do music, I've got to hustle. What did you think hustling meant?
1: I, you know, think you know, uh, let's see, you know, making sure I've got like a solid online presence, or like putting together the band so that I'm ready to like, you know, approach you know, bars or, or places that have music and be like, hey, I'd like to sing here. Here's what I can offer, you know, blah, 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 that sort of thing. Uh,
2: mm-hmm.
1: You know, kind of doing that, uh, not necessarily cold calling, but like, you know, um, going and putting myself, asking if I can do, I'm not saying it right. <laughs> am I making any sense.
0: I mean it sounds like what what you're describing sounds effortful it sounds like a, there's like steps and things and, and and it's 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 elaborate yeah whereas you, you talked about being in spaces right being in spaces with other people how is how could that not be described also as part of a hustle you you are doing it But Uh it's doing it in a way that's consistent with you. Because, man, I could imagine somebody who's like, I'm going to hustle. I'm going to stay at home and I'm going to work on my presence and I'm going to build a a bonkers website and I'm going to record the best music in my house. I'm going to put it all out there on the Internet. But I'm not going to go out there and talk to people.
2: Yeah.
0: Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's it's that there's an element of avoidance, though. It feels like they're doing a lot of work. You are also taking steps. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? So. Mm So I, I say that as a way to not shortchange yourself to say you're not doing the work. You're doing the work and you're doing things that are getting you closer to that in ways mm-hmm. that are consistent with you and, yeah. and, are, and are producing something.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And I think like realizing that and figuring out how I can do more of that is uh, is going to be my way forward. That was I was out last night um, at a burlesque performance And uh, I noticed there was a sign Mm -hmm. at the bar saying Tuesday night Jazz Jam. And I'm like, yes, 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 this is what I'm looking for. This is what I need. I need to go to the Jazz Jams. I, like, took a picture and I, like, put it in my calendar. Like, going to go to the Jazz Jam because that's where you meet jazz musicians. Ah. See, and that's, for me, much better than, like, oh, I got to find musicians. I need to put an ad out, have auditions, do this whole thing, you know, like, Meeting the people and feeling their vibe out in their elements is way more my style, you know. And that's how I found my musicians in Austin, because there was a place to go to jazz jams once a week. But I didn't right. know if there's any in LA. I was like trying to Google mm-hmm. it. Like, mm-hmm. rah, rah. They're out there. The audition thing. It's going be like. Rah.
0: But and and all maybe. of in that version of hustle you didn't like, whereas someone might like that. But you know what has you also back to that point of, of like knowing what your history is. Yeah. That has what that has been what's worked for you. So mm-hmm. you went back to what works.
1: Yeah, great. I just didn't think what 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 worked before would be available for me in L. A. Okay, I think that's my thing because yeah i've done lots of things that have worked for me in the past but that was in london that was in dublin that was in austin Mm -hmm. and that was in almost in bangkok Mm -hmm. but la is a whole different scene it's it's a whole different ball game you know everyone comes here to be in the entertainment business Mm -hmm. right like it's a bit more saturated there isn't live music everywhere Mm -hmm. like there is in austin you know or dublin you know where people just like almost every other restaurant has a live singer in the corner, you know, Right. it's not that here. It's, it's a different. It's a different environment. And so I think I was I've been overwhelmed with like, oh, the environment's different. It's like a whole new thing. I have to like do things like the right way or, you know, this other certain uh, way that I'm just making it more difficult for myself. I'm,
0: I'm, I'm hearing your brain creep in again with all the with all the yeah. reasons why you shouldn't.
1: Mm hmm. Mm hmm.
0: But you're giving that so, thought you're giving that thought the middle finger. You're doing it your way and you're you're taking it these steps.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. So it's been really helpful for me, uh, you know, in, in talking with you last week and also just in a few of the encounters that I've had recently, you know, with my friend who introduced me to the bar guy who was like, Oh, actually, you know, I never know why I'm gonna meet these people who are thinking, Oh, actually thoughts that I can get in on, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and that's the way. That's the way I'm gonna do it happiest. Because if I, I just you know, and accepting that, like you know what, like doing that hustle thing that I described and sounds so scary, and doing the audition thing and whatever, like that's that's not a happy process for me. Right. Like even if I did do it, I would be stressed the whole way through. Right. I would like it just, yeah.
0: It's all. It's the not things. something that
1: I should be like. Oh, I just need to like buckle down and do it sort of thing like no let's get creative and do it a way that makes it happy for
0: me. <laughs> right and again you you know you you know it's going to work for you so Honoring that, but continuing to be tenacious with that. It sounds like there's mm-hmm. also the other elements of then trying to like, you know, it's like how do you how do you start to ignore that that what, what some what some people call the monkey mind? It might be like your your puppies, right? How do you how do you wrangle those little feral creatures to mm-hmm. to to work for you? I think that's that that may be one of those next steps. I, I know unfortunately, in the sake of time, I'm gonna have to release you back to the wild again, but I'm I I'm mm. I, I'm wondering. Uh, At at the end of at the end of all this, um, what if you would have any advice for somebody who's trying to try, you know, maybe in the same position as you trying to get started in music and is kind of facing these hurdles of some anxiety and some maybe ADHD diagnosis, but they're 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 kind of in in the middle of their anxiety. What what sort of things would you say to them that might be encouraging or motivating?
1: Um, I'd say, um. Um, Self acceptance is a big thing. Like, accept that certain things are going to stress you out more than others, mm-hmm. and that's okay. Um, think creatively about ways to solve your problems. I mean, I'm still trying to figure out ways to solve the things that are, you know, I'd like to do and, and haven't been done yet or whatever. It's kind of a lifelong process, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think finding creative solutions is a big thing because you can honor yourself while still doing what you want and Mm -hmm. not just being stuck at oh I should be able to do this why can't I sort of thing that I have spent most of my life stuck in honestly in one way or another Um, I think also um, getting like surrounding yourself with support Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was huge for me when I found my vocal coach in London Mm -hmm. Uh, he was not only super talented and a great you know, coach, but she also was an amazing cheerleader. Mm. And having someone in my corner right? who knows how it's done and to encourage me along the way was huge. It was huge for me. Um getting people in your corner and who can like, you know, help you grow into the space that you want to, you know, or the the you know, whatever you want to do. That's important. Cause then you'll also feel like you're not alone. Right. In, you're in you know like oh i want to do this thing but i figure it out all by myself you actually don't need to figure it out all by yourself you can like there are other people who you can collaborate with and yeah. it's way more fun that way anyway right <laughs> exactly and it takes the, the pressure off of you and like mm-hmm. you know figuring every little thing out you know
2: right
1: um but yeah i'd say find find creative solutions to the things that you know are are not um happening um I guess and um, and find that support I think are the two main things and and be gentle with yourself and again I'm still doing right. all this act, and I've been singing my whole life
0: right. <laughs> right it's a slow and steady process but but I, I I really appreciate your time I really appreciate you being so vulnerable and sharing all this uh, and and also to hear hear more of your story so um yeah so Noel, I will I um, uh, try to link some of your stuff, uh, some of your 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 Instagram account, if you're all right with that. That that video we talked about, uh, and other stuff. So if anybody wants to listen to that or check that out, they can go to the uh, the web page or go to Fearcast Podcast and check it out. But um, but anyhow, Noel, thank you so much.
1: Absolutely, thank you so much for having me on. It's really been delightful to. Uh, I love talking about this stuff. So uh, yes, thank you very very much. It's been awesome.
0: Awesome. All right, Noel, thanks.
1: Thank you, Kevin.
0: All right, everybody thank you so much for making it through that episode um, if uh, again if you would like to uh, be featured on a future episode of our uh, anxiety the arts go over to fearcastpodcast.com and you can uh, uh, let me know that you're interested and, and we'll try to coordinate a time to chat about uh, you being on a future fe- a episode um, as always if you have questions about this episode or feedback about this episode go over to fearcastpodcast.com and send me a message over there again you can send me a message over at Instagram Instagram and let me know uh, what your thoughts were, or feedback you had, or questions you had, perhaps for Noel. And I'm sure she'd be more than happy to come back on on a future episode. So, everybody, if you uh, please remember that the FearCast is pot is not a substitute for psychotherapy. If you have questions about treatments or need a little bit of help in your recovery, go over to FearCastPodcast.com and there's going to be some. There's going to be the find help link, and you can click on that. There's going to be some uh, help for you there. Some. Uh, links and some support uh, there. Um, So until next time, everybody uh, take a risk, challenge yourself and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye.